Hello team and welcome back to the Simply Fit Podcast. Today I bring you some incredible news. I have been working on a secret project for the past three or four months now and I now can tell you that the brand new follow along workout channel is live and here. On this YouTube channel, you're gonna find workouts for fat loss, muscle building, improving your cardio health, flexibility, everything is gonna be on there. You're gonna find body weight workouts, dumbbell workouts, kettlebell and resistance bands workouts, all that you can follow along with. And the best part is that it's completely free. They're also around 10 to 20 minutes long, meaning if you're short of time, you can quickly complete an effective workout or you can combine like two or three of them together and complete like a full 45 to 60 minute workout. New workouts will go live on the channel every Tuesday and Thursday and they're gonna be accompanied by an amazing backdrop, which I'm sure you're all gonna enjoy. So if you wanna find the channel, just search Elliot Hassoon into YouTube and you'll find it very easily. And please subscribe. It makes me very, very happy and it helps the channel grow. And feel free to tell your friends, your family, your pets, whoever you want to share this with and let's work out together. Welcome to the Simply Fit Podcast. I'm your host, Elliot Hassoun. In this podcast, I'll be looking at three key questions related to fitness, nutrition, and mindset. I will break these down into information that is easy to understand and actionable so that you can apply it to your life today. This podcast will give you all you need to improve your health and well-being once and for all. So sit back, listen, and most importantly, take action. Hello guys and welcome from a rainy and cloudy Lisbon this morning. This is not what I signed up for whatsoever. So I hope you are enjoying the podcast so far. Today is episode three. I am really enjoying recording these, so I really hope that you are enjoying listening to them. And if you are, please just pause very quickly and hit five stars and give us a rating and that would be amazing if you even write a review you are in my good books for the rest of your life just trust me on that one so i want to dive straight in we got three interesting questions today three that are frequently asked three that i feel like you're going to gain a lot of value from so the first one comes from a lot of people who just begin their journey or perhaps they're even doing this prior to starting their journey and they want to get my opinion and whether it's okay Elliot, should I be intermittent fasting? Well, the answer to that is, do you want to be intermittent fasting? What is the purpose of it to you? It's got a lot of attention recently, and not just intermittent fasting, but fasting in general. It seems to be the new 5am club. It seems to be the new going keto. Um, It just seems to be incredibly popular at the moment. Um, And I don't think that's a bad thing whatsoever. And I'm going to dive into the ins and outs of what it is, you know, what the potential health benefits, and I'm going to give you my context on whether you should be doing it. So first and foremost, it's typically the 16A. So you are, have an eating window for eight hours where you consume all your daily calories. And then for the 16 other hours, you simply have water, drink teas, but you don't consume any calories outside of that window. Or I believe there is another method, which is like the 5-2 method, where you do full 24-hour fasts a couple of hours per week, uh, a couple of days per week, I should say, or you have a certain amount of calories. So maybe you go for like 2,000 on the weekdays and then you eat 500 over the weekend. So there's plenty of different forms here, but those are kind of some of the most popular ones. And the, ga- the main benefits of those, of course, it's going to be calorie management. 
improving blood sugar levels, increasing growth hormone, reducing oxidative damage, inflammation, and all those type of things. So that's the reason why most people will do it. I think nine times out of 10, the natural main reason that people do it is actually to reduce the eating window more so than anything, which is what I'm gonna dive into in a minute. And also I just wanted to quickly touch on who might not want to intermittent fast. Um, so I think like everyone f believes they're in a category where they have this option. But those of you guys who are underweight, potentially have eating disorders, people are super, super stressed. It won't help you guys either. And potentially if you've got existing medical conditions and if you're a woman who is pregnant, breastfeeding, then this might not be an option for you. So I just want to put that out there before I go into my approach on this. So typically when we get get people starting, they usually opt for the fast through the morning and then eat from maybe like 11 till 7, 12 till 8, whatever that might be. And this can be really helpful for someone who's getting going, right? Let's say you're used to eating uh, 2,500 calories, let's just say roughly. And all of a sudden, you know, you've gone on a diet and you've reduced this down to 1,800. So 700 calories uh, that you no longer have and you've got to spread them across the course of the day, right? So if your day is 14 hours long, and you're spreading 1700 calories you know it's not that many compared to 2500 right whereas if I squish that eating window all the way down to eight hours and all of a sudden you've got to hit 1700 within eight and you could be looking at having like five six hundred calorie meals three times a day which are going to be pretty large meals whereas when you've got that longer 14 15 hour window you might spread those 1700 calories across the full course of maybe five meals and that might look like three 300 calorie meals, uh, which is going to make a significant difference on a plate and probably a significantly different way when you feel finish that meal of whether you actually feel satiated or not. So that's the majority of the reason why I would personally prescribe it is for the adjustment. But what I also find is that some people, once they actually change their nutrition from, you know, low volume, nutrient poor foods, all the way to highly satiating, uh, fiber rich, protein rich and nutrient rich food, they actually find themselves a little bit more fuller than they usually would be on their diet. So the intermittent fasting window actually has to be extended. So that's where I would say that it definitely has some benefits. I mean, looking outside of the obviously time-restricted eating benefit, there's all of the ones that I just mentioned, but at the same time, you've just got to assess whether it works for you. Because if you are someone who is extremely, let's say you've got a very stressful morning, let's say you've got to get to uh, intense meetings early on in the day, you've got to get the kids ready for school, and you've got 10,000 other tasks to do before your morning really begins. Running on empty when, you know, there's potentially low blood sugar and let's say you potentially forget to skip, you don't hydrate yourself properly in the morning, you've come off the back of a poor night of sleep. That is not going to have, you're not going to have a good morning right? And that can be pretty detrimental for someone in that position. So that may be rationale for someone like yourself. If you have that high stress morning, it might be rationale for having breakfast just to get your blood sugar in a little bit of place, gives you a little bit of energy uh, before your day really begins, especially if you are potentially a poor sleeper as well. And the second person this might not be good for as well is 
someone like me who likes breakfast, right? Breakfast is genuinely my favorite meal of the day. And that's actually why, for the most part, I don't bother with intermittent fasting, especially in the morning. So I don't think that we should be tied to the 11, 7, 12, 8. If I was going to implement a form of intermittent fasting, I would rather wrap up my meals at 5 p.m. than restart the meals at 9. That would be much more favorable for someone like me because I enjoy breakfast, right? And what's interesting is that I think most most people do it because they want to win back time in the morning. It's not actually about the food. It's the preparation, the sitting down and having a meal, which is, you know, generally the main reason they get going on this. Whereas I actually believe that if you just got up 30 to 45 minutes earlier, and don't get me wrong, I know that's a big ask, but if you start 15 minutes this week, and 15 minutes the next week, and 15 minutes the next, and you gradually build back up, then you might actually have the time to sit and have a nutritious breakfast, enjoy it, um, be mindful as you eat it, digest it properly, and feel satiated from it, versus running out the door because you've got no time because you woke up late. So I think, is it about the intermittent fasting or is it about the time that you have in the morning and don't get me wrong the winning back the time is fantastic but you've also got to assess where your time is being spent first like I remember when I did a 24-hour fast which I guess I can touch on in just a second and I came back in the evening it was when I was a one-to-one personal trainer got home at 7 30 right and if you get home at 7 30 you've got to cook dinner you're eating by 8 8 30 and if you want to go to bed by 9 30 10 you better get any time right so I got home at um 7 30 and I was like There's no dishes to do. There's no cooking to do. I've got my evening back. So that actually worked really well for me. I'd actually say that personally, I found that more favorable because even if you start eating at nine and you get up at six, you've still got three hours to yourself before you even need to start thinking about food. So with that in mind, it's all about finding the approach that works for you. Just because intermittent fasting is getting a lot of attention, just because it's a bit of a buzzword at the moment, just because your friends are doing it as well, doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be for you. Yes, it provides plenty of health benefits. Yes, it can be useful when your calories are on the lower end, but it's not necessarily about tying yourself to a certain like religion in terms of this intermittent fasting. Just find the protocol that works for you. I would definitely say there are advantages to having periods without food, giving your digestive system a rest, just allowing your body to literally not have to consume and worry about digesting food for a while. It can be very favorable, but it doesn't have to be across the course of 16 hours. It might just be a 10-hour fast, 11-hour fast. For me personally, usually I like to wrap up my eating by 7.38, if that's possible. Then I might start eating again the next day at 9, 9.30. That's 12, 13-hour fast, which includes the sleep time in between and usually my training as well. That's sufficient for me to the point that I don't feel like I need to push it back. And if I did, I would probably then struggle because I would have to then train without maybe push my training later or I'd have to train and not eat immediately after so it actually wouldn't fit my schedule to follow the traditional format so it doesn't work for everyone but if it does work for you then go for it but just find the approach and don't be tied to the traditional numbers that it's given you and just one final note final thing that's very important I've spoken a lot about fat loss here but you got to bear in mind your goal as well right We spoke about the 1700 example, but let's say you are a person in a muscle building phase. I'm just going to give myself an example as as a guy in a muscle building phase when I was approaching 90 kilos. At one point, I was eating high 3000s to 4000 calories per day. If you try to eat that in eight hours, it just doesn't happen, right? So it would be silly for me to do that. And what actually I found more beneficial was just to do the occasional 24-hour fast, just to give my digestive system a rest first and foremost if you're 
hammering it with 3,000, 4,000 calories a day for months on end. It's, it's probably could do a little bit of a break. Uh, but similarly, um, it will help with like, you know, appetite again, you know, especially if you're someone who's done any long-term muscle gaining or bulking, and it's actually quite nice to feel hunger after a while. Uh, I know that you guys are in a calorie deficit right now. You're thinking like, you know, that must be a dream, but the grass is always greener, I can assure you of that. So that's my thought process on that. If it works for you, then give it a go. I'm always a big fan of someone trying something once. And, you know, if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't. It's just like people getting up at 5 a.m. If 5 a.m. starts don't work for you, try 6 a.m., try 6.30. Maybe you are someone who gets up at 9 a.m. and you function better than someone gets up at 5 a.m. because they've got compromised sleep. So bear that in mind. Treat yourself as an individual. And that is my thoughts on intermittent fasting and fasting in general. So let's transition on to question number two. And another one actually that is uh, a little bit synonymous with my Instagram post earlier. Elliot, you always talk about training intensity. How do I know if I'm training hard enough? And this question makes me laugh because if you're asking this question, you're probably not training hard enough. No, I'm kidding. But the way that I like to do this, and I think it's always good to look at yourself from an outsider and a neutral perspective, and ask yourself this question. If like, let me find the person who you are most motivated by within the industry. Like most of us have like a goal in mind of who we might want to look like when we are on our health and fitness journey, or potentially we have a personal trainer. So imagine I am your personal trainer, right? If I was looking over your shoulder, during your training session, would you be training the exact same way alone versus me being there over your shoulder watching what you're doing? Or take this example, how about if Arnold Schwarzenegger was there looking over your shoulder? Or if you're a female, how about J-Lo? I mean, even if you're a male, if J-Lo is looking over your training, like how would you be training comparatively to where you are now? And if there is a difference, which for most people, and I would say myself included, there would be a difference, then there's a good chance that you're holding back more and you're holding back and you're capable of giving more. So that's something to consider. It's always good to take yourself outside of that perspective. For anyone who's like gone to a personal training studio where they've had a decent personal trainer and it's actually take them through a very effective session where, you know, they're counting tempo, they are on point with exercise execution, you 100% on your rest times, you'll know the difference, right? You'll know the difference. You'll be able to draw comparisons on those two. So if that answer to that question is that, yeah, I, I would be training harder if those people are, were looking over my shoulder, then that's something to think about. And don't get me wrong, not every session is going to be 100%. You're not going to be able to replicate the feeling of J-Lo looking over you every single session. But you want to go in with that mentality uh, because most of us are probably not giving enough and not getting enough out of it. And this is what I said on the Instagram post. It's not about calling people out. It's that if you are committing three, four, five hours to gym per week, then you could be getting 10, 20, 30% more out of your training. Wouldn't that be better? Like, wouldn't that be better for all of us? So that's the thing I want to consider. And like, just looking around, right? And just think about these things. Ask yourself this question as well. Are you talking to friends or other members in the gym? Okay, if it's social, fantastic. I think the social element of the gym is great. But keep it to the start of the workout or the end of the workout, not in between sets or even just ask to meet the person for a protein shake in the cafe after the session or meet for a coffee before the session as opposed to it interrupting. Are you on your emails 
or each scrolling through Instagram. I am victim to this as well. I do this a lot and I need I call myself out on it quite a lot as well. Especially I, I give the excuse of like, oh, I'm recording my training, but then I get caught up in swiping. So it's one of those things that I even need to be aware of. And then look around. Are you training with short range of motion or excessive range of motion? And not because you don't know how to do the exercise, just because you're distracted and you're not actually present within the set. What about tempo? Tempo is a big one actually. Like how long does your exercise, your actual set take? Let's say I prescribe you a four second tempo. And just to a quick um, context on what tempo is, is essentially the speed in which you do the movement, right? And it's not necessarily about doing a movement slowly. Just think about any time, let's say you're on a, a road that you've not been on before and it's there's a lot of twists and turns, right? You slow down because you've got more control of the vehicle, you've got more control of the car and you can make more precise and effective movements. The same goes for your training as well, right? It's not about doing it slowly, it's just doing it in a more controlled and effective and precise way, right? So let's say your tempo is uh, 3020, which is a very typical tempo or yeah, let's go with that. And you're doing the movement, you're completing the movement in 25 seconds. If you were doing 10 reps for 3020, technically that should take 50 seconds. Let's say you're doing that in 25 seconds, you are literally missing out on 100% more time under tension than you would have got if you didn't rush that set. Just to give you some context here again, right? 10 reps takes you 25 seconds or 10 reps takes you 50 seconds. You're literally missing out on 100% more that you could have been gaining from that exercise. That, the first time I thought about that and wrote that down on an email to someone, blew my mind, right? Think about it. And imagine if you're going even faster. Say you're taking 15, 20 seconds, which is not unusual. People are in the mindset that they need to get through the set. Yeah, you want to get through the set, but you want to make the most of every single rep. And if there's been a tempo prescribed, then following it, you know, A, it's there for a reason, and following it is only going to benefit you as well. 100% of that time under tension you're going to get just by doubling the time but not even doubling the time but just taking your time on it and the final one that i see a lot in the gym as well if this is you too having zero plan at all or zero intention the first one is zero plan you know the people who just hop from machine to machine like you're just not going to get anywhere without a plan it's, it's you will make some progress but you'll run into pitfalls eventually you're not going to remember how many reps you did in your third set of your fifth exercise. It's just not going to happen. The second is about intention as well. Like if you don't go into the gym with like, I'm going to, you know, hit three extra reps on my squat today, or I'm going to lift one extra kilo on my bench rest today, then you're holding yourself back from progress. And you, we all know this person, right? Let's say you've been going for a gym for a while. You've probably seen someone there. And like my, for instance, myself, you've been going for that gym for three years. And you go in and you see the guy who's always there, but they look exactly the same. I guarantee you that the majority of the things I just mentioned there, they are doing. And for the most part, it comes down to not having a plan. And for me, that would drive me insane. If I went to the gym for three years and made zero progress, you know, I wouldn't want to go back. So props to them for continuing, but they could do so much more. So that's kind of the common pitfalls that personally people fall into. And one that actually people don't think about that I realized that happened to me back in 2017, 2016, when I did my first competitions is dieting can ruin your training intensity as well. I don't know if you've 
of course, if there's a lot of us actually who have been in the deep depths of a diet, right? We've been low calorie, we've been low energy. And the training side of things, it, it becomes difficult, right? And not just from a psychological perspective, that is definitely additional, but also from a physiological perspective, you're just tired, right? And sometimes you don't have the mental energy either, right? And then you go into your training sessions, let's say you feel like this for a period of four, five, six weeks, and then gradually as your diet continues, you kind of let yourself feel a bit sorry for yourself or give yourself permission to go a little easier because you're dieting, you're lower calorie, guess what? You will then carry that over into when you go back out of a, a diet. I've had, it's happened to me, right? I remember coming out of my preps. So I did a prep for April, then I maintained and then prepped again for September in my second show. And then, so basically I was dieting for the whole year. And then up until maybe April 2017, the following year, I realized that I was training not at my capacity. I was training with the mentality that I adopted towards the back end of those diets. I didn't realize I could like go to the next level because of I'd been stuck in this mentality of like low calorie, low energy state. So you want to self audit yourself, you know, and be aware of these things. And sometimes that's why safely pushing yourself beyond your limits is helpful. Let's say you're not training with a training partner or anything. Yes, you're seeing the numbers slowly go up. But like I said with that question earlier, if Arnold Schwarzenegger or J-Lo was looking over your shoulder, you probably could give 10 times more. And I also think with that being said, you should always kind of be under the impression that you're not training hard enough because there's a much more likely chance of you giving more if you feel like you're not training hard enough versus if you think, you know, I'm giving 100% to every session. And I think the best thing to do, and I feel like a lot of us have troubles with this, is just be completely honest with yourself and have the self-awareness to know. And it's not about berating yourself if you have a low intensity or poor session. It's about being curious about it. Why did why wasn't my session uh, as effective as it could be? Could I do more for my physical preparation? Could I do more for my mental preparation? And that's a much more productive way of handling that versus, you know, berating yourself, getting angry at yourself, frustrated. And that's not what I'm asking for because we're all going to have bad sessions. But it's all about just being honest enough to look yourself in the mirror and ask yourself the question of why it didn't go well. Then take action to ensure that you does go well. And that might be a case of, minimizing distractions you know maybe you need to turn your phone on black and white mode or turn it on airplane mode during your training sessions or maybe you need to train in the morning because people disrupt you in the afternoon maybe you need to log your training religiously look to beat your numbers each time so you go in with intention and excitement and for those of you who maybe don't have a fat loss goal right now it's so much more exciting to go into the gym when you're like you know what, I've got a number to beat today. You know, I'm going to the, the squat rack and I've never hit 100 kilos before and today is the day. Like that's exciting. So if you're looking for excitement within your training performance, look at your numbers and prep ahead. Next part is going to be prepping yourself physically and mentally. Quite often if you've had a poor session, you can quite uh, quite often attribute it attribute it to one or two of these things right so did you hydrate sufficiently did you sleep well the night before did you do your mobility work you know what about mental prep did you go in and yeah did you sit down and visualize the movement before you went in were you distracted did you have other things on your mind so those are things to address and i think the final point i want to make here is take pride in pushing yourself the gym is one of those places where you can take yourself to the next level kind of safe and build a lot of mental resolve, right? I think we spoke about fasting just now and there's 
a lot of mental benefits, which I didn't touch on with fastings. The fact that you can, you know, by just pushing away your like hunger signals and things that, you know, evolutionary you think you should do in terms of eating every few hours and everything like that, pushing through that, you can come away feeling very, very mentally strong, knowing that you overrode all of those, you know, those thoughts in your head that said you should be eating, you're going to starve those pre-existing beliefs. I think training is one of those things you can do that as well. Even this morning, I was doing front squats and it was, I did 105 kilos for six, that felt relatively easy. And then I did a 20% back offset, which, which I believe was 95 kilos because they didn't have any uh, micro plates. So I jumped that on and initially I was like, okay, I'm going to aim for 12. I did the first four and I was pretty gassed. And in my mind, I was like, I can, I'm going to go to 10. So I was like, let me go, you know, I'm going to go to 10. And then I was like, no, I'm going to work for, I'm going to go to 12. And my intention before I went into that set was to do three sets of four reps if that makes sense so i was going to do four at a time four at a time four at a time that was my mentality in the whole 12 rep set so i did the four and i did another four and i was like okay two to go and then i was like no four to go and the, the fact that you can override yourself and don't get me wrong the last couple of reps were a little bit sloppy but i mentally won that battle and that mental win now, I'm banking that, I'm celebrating that, I'm talking to you guys about that, and I'm going to carry that throughout the rest of my day. So you can literally come away with a huge, huge win. So you can have your training feeling like, yep, I completed my session, I feel okay about it. Or you can come away saying, I won some mental battles today. You know, I came away having a strong session. I, I you know, I come out of that session mentally stronger than I, you know, than I entered it. And that's a great feeling. So take pride in pushing yourself. Take pride in, you know, it not just being a hobby, but it's something that you, you know, you are able to draw from both physically and mentally. And you can be proud of the efforts that you put in. That's the way I'm going to summarize that. And we're going to move on to the third and final question, which I probably shouldn't have left for the end because it's a pretty long one. I've now managed to achieve my goal. How do I maintain it whilst living my life? The first question that you need to ask yourself is what does living your life even mean? I want to do a segment on balance soon because a lot of people say, oh, I'm striving for a balanced life. They don't even know. And most of us don't know what balance means to us. Similarly, we don't know what living, you know, most importantly, we don't know what living your life even means. What does that mean? It means something different to everyone. And you need to assess what that means to me, uh, means to you. And uh, yeah, I need to assess what it means to me as well. Because if, if you don't know what it is, then you're striving towards something with no real destination or outcome. So how can you really track and measure whether, you know, it feels good or not? if you don't know what it means. And it's also worth mentioning that when you've achieved your goal, your living your life is gonna have to look completely different than it did before if you wanna maintain it. Let's say if you were having takeaways five or six times a week before and you associated and you're going socializing, drinking on every single weekend, you associated that as living your life, you no longer can do that if you want to maintain the results that you have achieved, right? You can't have takeaways five times a week. Generally, you can't, right? And you may not be able to drink without intention every single weekend. Everything in life comes with a trade-off and you've just got to pick which one you're willing to accept. And that's where you need to really have a think about what, you're, what living your life looks like now and what trade-offs you're willing to accept to ensure that you don't build resistance against it, right? Because of 
you might be willing to hold a little bit of extra body fat for the sake of not having to think about what you eat at socials. You might be willing to accept that. Or you might be willing to accept that you might want to be a bit more mindful because you value having a tighter physique. The problem comes is when people don't assess that and determine what's more important to them. And then there's resistance. There is resistance to either one of those. Maybe they don't feel like they're socializing enough. Or maybe they feel like their body doesn't look the way they want to look. Um, and they've just got, you've just got to be really aligned on what's important to you and how you want to live your life and then start putting the things in place to ensure that that happens. On that note, one really, really easy way to maintain it long term, once you've determined this, is just building universal principles, universal principles that help keep your body weight in check. Like, for instance, myself, I have a way of operating to the point where maintaining this lifestyle doesn't seem difficult whatsoever. I don't do anything magical. I don't do anything more than you guys. I just hit 10 to 12K steps on average every single week because it's just ingrained within me. I train four times a week and I set up my schedule to make sure that this happens as well. I keep my foods consistent from Monday to Friday. I drink three to five liters of water. And the first thing I do in the morning is I drink water. I have my internal shower just before I have my external shower. And I eat protein pretty much every meal, and I try and ensure that at least two to three of my meals have salad and veg. That seems like, it sounds like a lot when I say it out loud, but that's so embedded within my lifestyle now that I don't even think about it. But just by having these things, like kind of operating in the background, it allows me to maintain a decent level of body weight and body fat. So that's where you need to establish which one it is for you. Maybe it's playing a sport every week, right? If you're going out onto a football pitch for 90 minutes, then you're going to burn a lot more calories than someone who's not doing any cardio. And that will give you scope to eat more on a week-to-week basis, right? Maybe you enjoy weekly fasts and just by you know reducing your calories down for one day a week, you can eat more on a week-to-week basis. And maybe you just need to determine like how many high-calorie meals a week would you like? And then you kind of just adjust your lifestyle accordingly. And that's the best way to do it. And just coming back to kind of how you need to live your life if you want to quote unquote, quote unquote, have your cake and eat it, is I like to use the money analogy. I like to use many analogies, as you guys will know by now. So if you're saving for your first mortgage, and we can draw parallels and like, let's say you're going for your first body transformation, right? Before that, you might have been living paycheck to paycheck. You might have spent fairly lavishly or without any real afterthought of what's the implications of that spend. You might have gone into your overdraft, Right. But as soon as you need to now save up for your first home and get a mortgage, you start budgeting. You put money in a savings account. You track your spending, right? And if you want to have that home, then you need to make sure that you have good habits around your money. If you want long-term financial wealth and you want to be able to pay for that home, you have to create good habits around your finances. And no one stops and laughs at you for saving money. And it's the same way for your body as well, right? If you want to maintain a good level of body composition, then you need to have long-term physical health habits that help you stay in shape, right? And just because you're saving money or you're budgeting to pay for your mortgage, 
you shouldn't make anyone call you out at restaurants when you, you know, essentially say, I'm not going to go to this restaurant because of, I have a mortgage to pay or other priorities to take my money. No one should laugh at you when you say, hey, you know what, I want to go out for coffee instead of a dinner because I want to, you know, stay on track with my body composition this week. Or I don't really want to eat a salad when I'm going out for dinner because of I ate all my calories in the day already. So something along those lines, if you see what I mean, it's the fact that you shouldn't feel uncomfortable about practicing your health and wellness habits if you know what's important to you, right? I could have 10,000 people telling me that I shouldn't be eating my eggs in the morning, but I wouldn't care less because I know that it's keeping myself in shape is important to me, plus I really like my eggs. So if you know what's important to you, you know what life should look like for you and how you want it to be, then you shouldn't find yourself with any resistance when it comes to maintaining having a life and maintaining your physique as well. So one final caveat of that is it's not easy. It's not easy and it will take some time, especially if you've lived your life in a certain way for 30, 40, 50 years and all of a sudden you know you are being more intentional about your health. But just understand it just like any other process, right? Same with the finances side of things, right? If you've not been spent, you know, you didn't save money up until you're 30 years old, yes, you know, the occasional poor habit around money might slip in. But as long as you know what's most important to you, paying your mortgage every month, having a home, maintaining your body composition, having the physique you want, then you should be able to follow through long term. So I hope that that was an insightful answer and an insightful three answers. I feel like we went through uh, some good topics today. So thank you so much for listening. Take care of yourselves and I look forward to speaking with you very soon. And that was the Simply Fit Podcast. I hope you gained a huge amount of value from today's episode. I feel inspired to improve your health and well-being. Be sure to search for Simply Fit in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify or anywhere else you get your podcasts from. And go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Also, if you like the episode, please don't forget to give it a five-star rating. I'd love to hear your feedback or any questions you have. So reach out to me on social media. You'll find me on Facebook and Instagram at Elliot Hassoun. Thank you so much for listening. And I look forward to talking with you all on the next one.